Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, last week, if you were here, uh, Pastor Mike talked about, you know, our words and our conversation and uh, the fact that, you know, we can, our words can do great damage or they can do, be a great blessing. So we were looking at our mouth. Today, I want you to look at your hands. Uh, literally, I want you to right now look at your hands. Would you do that? Okay, it's very interesting things about our hands. Uh, you probably know this, of course, but <laughs> the other day we were at the beach, and Donna loves to sit in the beach, and, and me, um, I have to go to the doctor this week, and he's going to yell at me again because, you know, he, I don't always put on sunscreen. So I'm sitting there in the beach, and I've got my hands up like this, and Donna says, what are you doing? And I said, well, your hands don't burn on, you know, they don't get sunburn on your palms, you know, only on that side. You knew that, of course, didn't you? Did you also know that your hands, the, what, there are 27 bones in your hand. This is what's amazing. There are 29 joints in your hand. And that's why you can do so many amazing things and move them so well and so much. Uh, you also know, I'm sure, that you have a unique fingerprint. Nobody else has a fingerprint like yours. Nobody else. It's totally unique. You have this opposing uh, a thumb and finger, which enables you to do so many things. And you know, of course, that animals don't have that, right? Except for one animal. Do you know what? One animal has an opposing thumb and finger. Koala bear. Did somebody say that? Koala bear. How about that? All right. Now, here's one. Hand surgeon, if you, if one of your fingers was, were to be cut off, which one would you choose? Do you know which is the least used or necessary finger on your hand? That's what a hand surgeon says. You can take it up with them. All right? Hands are amazing. Your hands are amazing. But today, we're going to look at the awesome hands of Jesus. Luke chapter 24. Now, that same day, what same day? The day that Jesus rose from the dead. That same day, two disciples of Jesus were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. Well, what had happened that week, you know. In that short week, they saw Jesus welcomed in Jerusalem and hailed as the Messiah on Palm Sunday. And then five days later, he was executed as a criminal on a cross. Now it's two days later. It's Sunday. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And several of Jesus' followers were saying that Jesus had risen. But these two Christ followers, these two men, doubted that. They didn't believe it. And they were so totally discouraged, they decided to get out of town. They decided to leave Jerusalem and, and walk seven miles to Emmaus. They didn't believe that Jesus had risen. And, and they felt like, well, even if he had, what difference does it make? And you know, 
Christian, I just want you to think about that, that many of us as Christians, we sometimes have that same problem. We believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But we're discouraged. We're discouraged by problems. And we don't think that God really cares and that Jesus is really going to help us. Well, let's continue our story in verse 15. As they talked, as they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever grasped how awesome, how loving, how kind, how caring the Son of God is for you? Here are these two Christians that are full of doubt. They don't believe he's alive. They don't really think he cares. But instead of giving up on them, Jesus comes and he, and he talks with them and he walks with them on this two-hour trip to Emmaus. And Christian, every day Jesus comes to walk with you and to talk with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we can be just like these two followers. We don't even recognize that he's with us. You know, it's likely that each one of us this week, we went through days where we didn't think about the fact that Jesus was with us. And we were discouraged or we were worried or concerned or afraid or whatever it might be, and we didn't think about the fact that Jesus promises to walk with us. And you see, these men knew Jesus. They had followed him for three years. So, so what kept them from even recognizing that it was Jesus walking with us? I'd like to talk about five things that was in this chapter today. The first one is, and see, we need to understand this because these same things will keep us from recognizing that Jesus is walking with us on in our, our daily lives. The first one was this, walking away from Christ and the body of Christ. These two men were walking away from Jerusalem. Now, that's not a very good place to be going, direction to be going, because Jesus was in Jerusalem. Jesus' followers were in Jerusalem. That's where the body of Christ was. So, why did they walk away? Well, because they were discouraged. And see, friend, when we're discouraged, and we're going to get discouraged a lot, when we're discouraged, we're going to be tempted to walk away from Jesus. We're going to, we won't feel like praying. We won't feel like opening up the Bible and reading it. We won't feel like going to church to be with the body of Christ. And friend, that's the worst thing we can do when we're discouraged. Walking away from Christ and the body of Christ will keep you from seeing that he's right there with you. The second thing that will keep us from, from recognizing that Jesus is with us is focusing on people people that we can see, <laughs> so we don't focus on Jesus because we can't see him. And friend, God just, God puts people in your life, all right? And, and what a wonderful thing to have companionship and friends and family and 
people who love you and care for you and all that. And, and what a wonderful blessing that is. But no matter how wonderful another person may be, no human being is perfect. And people are going to disappoint you. They're going to hurt you in some way. And Jesus never will. But, you know, let's be honest. We tend to look at others to give us joy and affirmation and, and good feelings rather than Jesus. Look to him. He's always with you. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Others will. He will not. Verse 17, Jesus asked them, what are you guys talking about? As you walk along here. And they stood still, their faces what? Downcast. All right, we don't use that word very much, but their faces were downcast. What will keep us from recognizing that Jesus is with us? It's looking down rather than looking up. The word downcast is interesting, all right? It's, it just literally means to look down, to cast your, down, your eyes down instead of up. Looking at the things that are going to drag you down instead of looking what at what or who will lift you up. And, and again, you know, we can't avoid getting discouraged, or getting down on certain days and, and in life, but when we do, then we make a choice, all right? We can cast our eyes down and look at our situation, or we can look up at our Savior, the Son of God who loved us enough to die in our place and is preparing an eternal place for us right now. And that's why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. Make conscious effort to remember that he's with you. Colossians 3, 1, set your sights on heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. And he's interceding for you. And he's preparing to come for his followers. You see these two men here in Luke 24? They, they weren't fixing their eyes on Jesus who had just risen from the dead. They had fixed their eyes on themselves and how discouraged they were. And verse uh, 18 tells us that one of them, the one that's named, his name was Cleopas, he asked Jesus, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days. Uh, I bet you remember where you were on 9-11. When you heard the news. Everybody heard it. What if a couple days later you're talking to a friend, you know, and, and you're saying, oh, man, I'm just really so sad at what happened. They say, well, what happened? You'd look at them like, where have you been? Well, it, it's kind of that. They're saying, Jesus, who, where have you been? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't understand what's happened, what's going on here? Verse 19, well, what things? Jesus plays along. What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet. 
He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Now get this, but we had what? We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Hmm. You see, Jesus performed hundreds, thousands of miracles. Because of all those miracles that Jesus performed, these men and many others, they had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But they had hoped that he was a political Messiah who was going to set them free from the Roman Empire. On Palm Sunday, when he rode into Jerusalem and the crowds were praising him and shouting, what were they shouting? Hosanna, which means what? It means save us. Now, they wanted someone to save them from Rome, from taxation, from the oppression of a a foreign empire. They They hoped he was a political political Messiah who was going to set them free from the Roman Empire. Well, on Palm Sunday, they had hoped. But on Friday, their hopes were shattered. Now, some of you know all about that. Some of your hopes have been shattered. Some of you have a marriage that's shattered. You you hoped when... They said to you, till death do us part, you hoped that they meant it. Some of you had a serious romance that shattered. You you hoped that this was the one. Some of you had your hope shattered by a doctor's diagnosis. Some of you have a loved one who doesn't believe in Jesus. Some of you showed up at work one day and the boss met you at the door and called you to clean out your desk and you had hoped that this would be a career in financial security. Hope. What will keep us from recognizing that Jesus is walking with us? Number three, hoping for earthly things more than eternal things. See, these two Christians told Jesus, well, we'd hoped that you would set, that the Messiah would set us free from Rome. And see, that was all they could think about. Being, being free right now, being free politically, being free physically. What they didn't think about was that Jesus had set them free from something far worse. Sin, Satan, hell. Those are eternal realities, not just earthly things for a while. And, and, and friend, of course you know, we, we tend to hope more for earthly blessings than eternal ones. You know, if you asked uh, what, Americans, if you asked 100 Americans, what, what do you hope for? The number one answer would be win the lottery. Okay? We hope, for mil- we hope for a lot of money here on earth for a few years. What about eternity? Friend, 
You may not have a lot of money here on earth, but Jesus died on a cross so that you could have the riches of God forever and ever. Um, do, you, do you like to play Trivial Pursuit? I do, except when they get to certain categories. All right, but I like Trivial Pursuit. It's a fun game, isn't it? But Trivial Pursuit is a terrible life to live. Living for things that are trivial. If we let our life be tied up in, in earthly things only compared to eternity, then you are going to get discouraged when you lose those things, when you don't get those things, when they're taken away. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to be defeated. Things are not going to be right or perfect here on earth. Not until you get to heaven. And then you'll live in a perfect place if you're a Jesus follower. You'll be loved by a perfect God. There'll be everybody around you will be perfect too because Jesus died and rose and he's coming back for those who follow him. And so these two Christian men here, they're, they are talking with the risen Son of God, but they don't even recognize him. They don't even know who they're talking to. They have no idea that the risen Son of God is walking with them. And that happens to us too. Well, how does Jesus bring them out of this? Verse 22. The, the men continue and they say, well, some of the men, women this morning, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find the body of Jesus there. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then and, and some of our other companions, our disciples, they went to the tomb and they found, hey, the women were right. There's no body. But they didn't see Jesus. And Jesus said to them, how foolish, how foolish you are. He's not putting them down. He loves them. That's why he came to them, to, to lift them out of them. He said, you're being foolish. You're being slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things before he entered his glory? And then beginning with Moses, with the Old Testament, with all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what, had, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So friend, what will keep us from recognizing Jesus walking with us every day, complaining about our problems versus thanking God for his kept promises? Jesus promised to rise from the dead. They didn't believe the promise. We don't believe all the promises of God. But God's going to keep everyone. It's his word. He cannot lie. You see, if these two men had believed Jesus' promise to rise again, they would have been rejoicing that day. Instead, they were down and defeated and discouraged and 
go in the wrong direction. They were consumed with their problems instead of thanking Jesus for keeping his promise to rise from the dead. Verse 28. They've been walking for about two hours now. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day's almost gone. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. And he began to give it to them. And then what happened? Their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Friend, what happened that opened their eyes? What happened that made the blinders fall off so that they finally realized that the risen Jesus was with them, walking with them, talking with them. What had happened? What opened their eyes? Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, he broke it. What opened their eyes? They finally looked at his hands. They saw the scars from the nails that were driven through his hands. And then he left them to go to appear to other disciples and followers to encourage them. And as they're sitting there alone, verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened up God's word to us and explained to him that he was for the fulfillment of all these things. Verse 33, then they got up what they knew now. They wanted to get out of town. They wanted to get out of Jerusalem, away from the body of Christ. What did they do? They returned at once to Jerusalem, because, and it's getting dark now, but they're getting back. They canceled their reservation for the night, lost their deposit. It was all over, but they're going back. And they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together, and they were sit. And the, the uh, uh, people there in Jerusalem were saying, "It's true, it's true. The Lord is risen." And he appeared to Simon Peter, and then the two men told what had happened to them on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Friends, you looked at your hands. Now I want you to look at his hands. I want you to look at his hands. I'm going to use a, an acronym. When I studied for a test, I wasn't very bright. I was always trying to figure out how to remember the answers. I would come up with acronyms. I would take the first letter of the answer and, you know, make some sentence out of it or something, okay? If, maybe this will help you remember. But I want you to look at Jesus' hands. H. They're holy hands. Friend, we live in a world of poverty, of famine, of starvation, of disease, of death, of war, of injustice. 
That's the world we live in. Things aren't right. Those things get us down. Friend, one day Jesus is coming back. And he's going to right every wrong with his holy hands. You can bank on that. No one else can. The Son of God will. He has holy hands and he's going to make things right forever and ever. Hey, look at his all-powerful hands. It was those hands that flung massive galaxies into outer space. Outer space we came and find the end of. Those are the all-powerful hands of our Creator. Creating an immense, massive, immeasurable universe. Okay? But you know what else those all-powerful hands put together, created? You. Psalm 139 tells us that those hands knit us together in our mother's womb. The holy hands of Jesus, the all-powerful hands of Jesus put you together. And that's why you're here today. In his nail-pierced hands. I love the painting, the picture of a little girl who's looking up into the face of Jesus saying, what did they do to your hands? The little girl couldn't understand why someone would do that to the holy hands of Jesus. And I don't want to live a day of my life without remembering that Jesus died in my place. That the scars he has are scars I deserve. The wounds that were inflicted on him were because of my sin. Look at his nail-pierced hands. And I'll keep you from being defeated and discouraged by the things of this world. D. Look at his delivering hands. We're all, we all have problems. We all have besetting sins. We all have addictions of what, whatever kind. Chemical, physical, emotional. We all have things in our life that we really would love to be delivered from. Friend, there is one who can. And it is the Son of God. And if you let him, if you allow him, he can deliver you from whatever keeps you in bondage or defeat. His delivering hands. Jesus Christ can deliver you from things that discourage you, defeat you, and destroy you. Let him. N.S. Look at Jesus' saving hands. Hands nailed to a cross so you could be forgiven of every sin you have ever committed.
so that one day you could stand before God and God will say, I see no sin in this person. All their sin is covered by the blood of my son Jesus. Look at his saving hands. This week, I hope you'll look at your hands. But above all, I hope you'll look at the hands of Jesus. Shall we pray? God, we cannot comprehend the love of Jesus that he would come and die in our place, take all the punishment of sin we deserve on himself. God, I pray that you would deliver us from living a day of our life, not recognizing you, that you're with us, right? You are with us wherever we are. I pray that not a day will go by that we will not be able to realize that, God, you are with us. And I pray that you'll help us to look at the hands of Jesus. And friend, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, that's why he came to this earth. And he wants to forgive you of every sin. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord so you, can fo- so you will follow him today and every day and that you'll follow him all the way to heaven. Invite him into your life as your Savior, as your Lord. Father, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.